Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon, wherever you're tuning in. We've got a great show with us uh, today. Dr. Mark Horn is going to be joining the show here momentarily. Mississippi novelist Lynn Melvin is going to be on the show a little later to talk about some great summer reads if you want to take a break from COVID-19 and all the mess surrounding us. And, of course, Kelly Sander joining us uh, on the program as well. Let's go straight to Laurel with our good friend, Dr. Mark Horn, who is uh, back on the Eagle Hour. All right, Dr. Horn, a couple of quick questions from me. You, you told me before we went on the air there's some good news, but don't get too excited. We seem to have a little bit of a plateau with uh, COVID-19, but school has opened. You know, it, it's, it is a mixed picture. Yeah, it's fantastic that we got better numbers. I cannot... Uh, the numbers are better. I can't, and and we think there's every reason to believe they're better because people are doing a better job of uh, social distancing, avoiding some really large crowds, and uh, wearing masks. But we temper that with the certain knowledge that we changed the game. Schools are open, colleges are open. I've got two seniors back at Ole Miss, and I've got a sophomore in high school, and they're all in in person in classes. Well. At Ole Miss, uh, actually, my son doesn't have any in-person classes, mm-hmm. and my daughter has mm-hmm. one, and they're holding it outside. So that's good. But but being back at college means there's going to be fraternity parties. Uh, I just saw something yesterday on University of Alabama. Uh, hundreds of students now at University of Alabama with COVID-19. It's um, nearly impossible to enforce or sufficiently gain people's confidence with the message of social distancing. They just either don't believe it or don't believe it applies to them, or they think, eh, I'll get sick and I'll be well in a few days. So, and the and for those who say that's what's going to happen, uh, I know that within the past two weeks, there's been one healthy teenager died in Mississippi of COVID. I know that there's a infant that is death that's being investigated is felt most likely to be COVID that was healthy. Uh, I know of, um, of recommendations and findings in young athletes that get COVID who subsequently prove to have weakness of their heart uh, that is not, you just don't even know it's about to happen. This is not your uh, grandmother's and grandfather's influenza. It does different things. And right. we've been saying that from the outset. Right, I'm going to ask you this question uh, from a layman's standpoint, and I, and I guess I'm the party pooper here. I love football probably as much as anybody in the country, but I'm talking to a funeral uh, homeowner last week who told me that uh, under the state mandate, you can't have more than 20 people at a funeral. Restaurant owners are struggling because you can't put but 50% capacity in your buildings. We could go on and on and on, but we're just, you know, we're a week away from having a college football game here in Hattiesburg and about three weeks away from college football games in Starkville and Oxford where you're going to have 10 
to 20,000 people in one location. I just don't see how that correlates, Doctor. It, um, the messaging is certainly not consistent there. Um, I think everybody's going to have to make their own. Uh, everybody's going to have to make their own decision. They have to uh, decide uh, who they're going to listen to and what they're going to believe. What I can tell you is that based on current community spread, the number of community spread cases in the state of Mississippi, that on average, for any random grouping of about a hundred people, there will be one or two individuals in that group who have COVID-19 and do not know it. So if you get 10,000 people in a location, guaranteed there will be over 100 people who have COVID-19 and do not know it. Are all 100 of those people going to wear their mask? Are all of them going to be socially distanced? It is going to be outside. That's a benefit. No question about it. Uh, So there are things that make it better, but you can't make it a good idea to have known uh, have people who have COVID-19 and don't know it in large gatherings. So, you know, it's just the statistics. I mean, I'm not making that stuff up. It's the reality. So, I mean, if you know that, it's kind of, uh, I think I said beforehand, uh, uh, just because you can do things doesn't mean you should do things. Right. So you just should know that if you elect yeah. to go to these kind of gatherings. And if you want to go, then go do the best you can. Understand you're taking a risk. It's kind of uh, my son, my youngest son plays tennis, and he asked about going out over to a friend's house to spend the night and do some other stuff. And I told him that would be like an unforced error, if you know, in tennis, if you do something and you make a mistake and you didn't have to, you had to play right, and you just didn't execute. Well, that's an unforced error. Why make an unforced error? Right. All right, Luke, get in here, Doctor Horn. Um came out yesterday the uh, the cdc kind of changed some of the covid testing guidelines previously they said that uh, testing was appropriate for people uh, with recent or suspect suspected exposure if i was uh, in a group and somebody tested positive then i would need to go uh, get tested for it cdc changing some of those protocols uh, is, is, is that what we're going to see in mississippi to kind of follow suit or are we going to keep on what we've been doing so i haven't Dug through the, I've glanced at those guidelines, and I have been involved in an email exchange with some other state leaders and with some people from the State Department of Health. So, and this all has occurred since last evening, uh, and I haven't had time to button everything down fully. The short answer is, uh, current position of the State Department of Health is going to be the same. Uh, the CDC, it's my understanding, and I haven't, I'm not representing that I've read the entire thing in great detail, which I plan to do by the time we get off the air, um, is guidance. It's not saying don't do it. It's saying they think it could be this way. And you've got to remember, they're speaking to the entire nation. Some places have different transmission patterns. There's not as bad. Mississippi is one of the uh, leaders in community transmission. <laughs> And uh, so that puts us at a greater risk, and I believe rightly that the Department of Health, uh, at least per private communications, plans to stand pat on their current directives. So if if someone has been in a group where someone tests positive, go ahead and and get that test. That's what you're you're suggesting to continue as if what we've been doing since spring. 
uh, at least as of today, uh, the current direction is keep doing what we've been doing the last several weeks. If you if you yeah. have a known significant exposure, and this, an exposure is defined as six feet or less from someone for 15 minutes or more with or without a mask, that ex, that is considered to be an exposure in the non-healthcare environment. In the healthcare environment, we've got some slightly different rules. It would make your nose, your ears bleed to understand all the reasons, <laughs> but there are reasons. So in the in the non-healthcare environment, 15 minutes, six feet or less, uh, with or without a mask, particularly if it's in an enclosed space, represents an exposure. And the Department of Health would say, eh, you should be tested. You should isolate yeah. and you should test. You should quarantine and you should test. Which I okay. think makes perfect um, sense. Yeah, it, it, it does make it does make great sense. Uh, Doc, you know, Five going on six months uh, in this, there's a call from certain people or just kind of uh, the public saying, why can't we start treating this like any other disease? Uh, if you don't feel sick, uh, don't worry about it. Um, is Are we still to be concerned with what they've called you know, asymptomatic super spreaders, or do we still need to be conscious of that? So the asymptomatic super spreaders um, may get – they may, some people, this gets back to that other analogy we used, just because I mean, for every uh, person who's driving intoxicated, driving impaired, that gets arrested, there are multiple others who don't get arrested. Uh, they, they make it to their destination, they don't end up in a ditch, and they don't end up in jail. That doesn't make it a good idea. It just means you got away with it. So some people will, but some people won't. And some people will not spread it. Some people will. Some people will not get overly sick. Some people will get very sick. Some people won't get that sick, but they're going to take it home to somebody who then takes it. I, I personally know of situations where the index case was younger and healthier, didn't get all that sick, if a sick at all. They took it home to somebody who then took it to grandma or grandpa who ended up dying. Mm. Well, was that a good idea? No. I don't think it is. No, it's not. I tell you what is a good idea is bringing you on the show as we've been doing. We appreciate very much you coming uh, on regularly with us, Doctor. And uh, we uh, we love your advice. You give great analogies, none better than comparing COVID and the flu to Drew Brees and a college quarterback. <clears throat> we haven't forgotten about that one. And uh, we look forward to talk to you again real soon, Doctor. Thank you so much. All right. Dr. Mark Horn, everybody, South Central Regional Medical Center. Incoming president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Medical Association. Great source for Eagle Hour, and we're very grateful to have it. Kelly Sanders next. Hey, I want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring that segment with Dr. Mark Horn. And let me make a correction. He is the current president of the Mississippi State Medical Association. 
So I want to clarify that. Thanks to Dickie's Barbecue Pit, great food seven days a week. My buddy Kelly Sander and I can both attest to uh, how much we like Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Also want to thank uh, Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net, for their support of the show and encourage you to buy all of your Southern Miss swag at Campus Bookmark or campusbookmark.net. And Kelly Sander, can you do a testimony right now for Dickie's Barbecue Pit? Well, most people, you know, I mean, you can use their drive-up service if you want to. That's the, the prudent thing to do during COVID-19. But normally when I go in and order, I'll wait until it's rush hour when there are a lot of people in there. <laughs> and I'll go to the back of the line. And, and, of course, there's always a line at Dickie's, which is a testament to their food. But, again, I will purposely go so that there's a long line because what I'll do is just nurse on the um, on the soft-serve ice cream. So <laughs> I said, we'll get right to you, Mr. Santa. I said, take your time. Take your time. <laughs> And then you mix that with that cream spinach. It just sounds wonderful. Even though yeah, dude, you got to quit, sides. you got to yeah, quit well, talking but, about that. That is the. Worst. <laughs> I've just eaten lunch every day, and you bring that up. It's terrible. Well, you know, diet, uh, you know, diet wise, you can go. Hey, I eat spinach. <laughs> and then ribs and ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 the cream spinach, which is loaded with cheese, and mm, it's really right. good. Awful. So. All right, yeah. Kelly Sander, what's on your mind today, sir? Well, the television scheduling, you know, Southern Miss fans have been looking for that uh, the Southern Miss-South Alabama game, which is now just a week away about from kickoff, thinking that uh, CBS Sports Network, who has the rights to the Conference USA games, that because there's not many other games being played, that that game might be bumped up, if you will, to a, a network that's more readily available. But it doesn't look like right now that that's going to happen, at least as of late, because ESPN has announced that uh, – that some other uh, Sun Belt teams like uh, Arkansas State and their game with I think Marshall, which that's a, that's a Conference USA game. Memphis, look, Memphis. There you go. And uh, but Marshall's game with Eastern Kentucky has gotten an ESPN bid. So um, the networks are kind of shuffling around here as the schedule continues to change. But right now, it still looks like Southern Miss and South Al are going to be on the CBS Sports Network, which again is not readily available to a lot of people. So uh, mm-hmm. find out which of your friends has CBS Sports Network. And, of course, I do. Uh, so, well, you live in Cambridge. That comes standard with a house. Well, of course. Yeah, okay. That's what it's a clarify. <laughs> and, and I wasn't going to say that, Bob. Right, because, I understand. You know, I understand. Pe- people already have a rough life, you know, know. not not living here. Yeah. But uh, but find out who's got CBS Sports Network. And, and as long as there's no, no more than 10 people indoors, unless you're sitting six feet apart and have masks, you can enjoy the game. All right, Luke. And if, you, if you're not going to the game, right. of course. It is going to be on that channel, though. Is that correct, guys? It should be. And there was uh, somebody from CBS Sports Network. I'm trying to find it on Twitter. There was a, I think it was a sideline reporter or something, said that she was looking forward to um, to being at the Southern Miss South Alabama game next week. And so that's where we got it from. The reason Marshall Eastern Kentucky moved up, it, it probably meant that um, that. CBS Sports Network didn't have a slot available for that. But, yeah, I mean, you look at what the Sun Belt's getting. I think this is uh, Saturday the 5th. SMU's at Texas State. That's on ESPN. Monroe at Troy on ESPN3. And then the one Kelly talked about, Arkansas State at Memphis. And that just comes where CBS Sports Network has the rights, first and foremost, to 
um, to Conference USA games. Now, there is a rumor floating out there that if it gets on CBS Sports Network that the game time might be pushed back to 8. I keep seeing 8 p.m., 8 p.m., whether that's an 8 p.m. Eastern, so it would be the normal 7 p.m. Central, or if they're trying to stack it uh, because UAB and Central Arkansas are, are supposed to play at 7. So expect to hear something probably tomorrow or Friday, hopefully, or, or it'd have to be first part of next week then. Um, but hopefully you'll, you'll hear more about that. But I am hearing, looking on social media, 8 p.m. keeps getting thrown out a lot. Well, if, if it does start at 8 o'clock, you know what that means for me and Bob. We only get the first half. Or we'll take, have to take a nap. <laughs> Correct. You know? That's exactly right. Remember a couple of years ago, Kelly, when they started the game, when Mississippi State was here at, what, 9 It Was it 9 o'clock when they started the football game? Something like that. But that, <clears throat> that added to the, uh, to the intrigue of that game, too. I, I used that as a personal <laughs> yeah. challenge. Could I stay up that late? Right. You know? That was a great day, man. There's no question about that. That was that was pretty. It exciting. allowed me to watch it first time I woke up in India. So I was I was thankful yeah. it got pushed back yeah. a little later. Good night. And and you know that that particular game, I don't think anybody really doubted who had the better who had the better team. You know the Mississippi, but but it didn't matter. You know, right? I mean, it, we were pulling for Southern Miss. We knew we were the underdogs in that game, but it was still just. You know, if you're going to lose to somebody, I don't mind losing to Mississippi State. Uh, and you know? It, it and was again, a great on-campus atmosphere with the state yeah. and Southern people that day, Kelly. No question uh, about that. Of course, that. and and if you and if you have to exchange checks, you know, if two if one school has to pay another school or vice versa, keep it in the family, right? You know, and Write you know what else, Kelly? It also school. it was also a signal that things had changed under Todd Munkin. Yes, we lost the game. It clearly wasn't the same team that we had seen the year before, and that to me was the first indication that night that that Munkin was turning things around. Yeah, I agree with you, Bob. I think that probably was a turning point. Of course, when you when you swim in deeper water, you know you better have some good some good swimmers, right? You know, and that was the that was the first chance that you really had to see what what you had. But just from a from a pride standpoint in the in the state of Mississippi, I mean, like I say, I, I just. I just wish all the schools in the state. And look, it, it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Division one, two, one double A, whatever. If if you have to play somebody else, as tight as money is, keep it in the state. I would love to see in state games. All right, guys. What do you think about the South Alabama matchup? Hard to believe it's a week from tomorrow. Luke Johnson, uh, is that going to be a, a competitive game? You just wonder what South Alabama's done in the offseason. They didn't have the greatest uh, year last year. Steve Campbell, who was at Mississippi Gulf Coast, is the head coach there. They went 2-10 and ten last year. But you look at uh, they, they beat Jackson State, and they won their last game. What really how, – how you finish is really what, what I'm looking at. And they beat Blake Anderson's Arkansas State team. It was senior day. It was at South Alabama. They won 34-30. Um, they, they kind of improved as the year went on. They lost a close one to Texas State. So it'll be interesting to see, and, and we're supposed to have uh, South Alabama um, guys on early next week to give us a preview of the Jags. Right. Um, but you got to think uh, they will come ready to play, and you know this is a, a team where you, you never take them lightly. And, again, uh, we talk about the Sun Belt versus Conference USA. Don't talk about Conference USA being better than the Sun Belt if you can't beat them. This is a huge right. recruiting game, also for Southern Miss. That's exactly right. And if you look at if you look at those the, the win loss record, of course, it wasn't very impressive last year for South Al. But when you look at the final scores, they were all. I mean, they didn't really get blown out anywhere, except for you know the the, 
mm-hmm. the big uh, the big time schools, which you would you know expect that to happen. They only lost by two touchdowns to Nebraska. They got blown out by Memphis. They got blown out by UAB. They lost in double overtime against Georgia Southern. That was a three point game. Um, they got blown out by Appalachian, um, but they they improved very well down the stretch. They lost by ten. Uh, to Louisiana Lafayette, but that Arkansas State game, I'm telling you, we we saw it a long time ago when when Southern Miss, uh, you know, beat UAB at the end of the season. How much momentum goes into your off season? And I think everybody, though, you know, all bets are off uh, because of how crazy. Uh, with no spring season, with, with, with preseason. So anything can happen in a game like this. And what's exciting about this game is that this is the first FBS versus FBS uh, on the schedule. Uh, UAB is playing that same night, and the FCS kickoff is actually uh, this coming Saturday. But uh, UAB will not be playing an FBS opponent. So this is the first really D1 uh, D1 game, and so uh, F- FBS wise, so that's why it's exciting. So uh, you just you you want all that work that you've been putting in, and you hopefully both of the sides of the ball have grasped these new schemes going into next Thursday. Right. Well, it's going to be exciting to see college football, guys. I mean, we can say what you want to about whether they should or not be playing. I've expressed my reservations, but once the game kicks off, Kelly Sanders, it's going to be pretty exciting to see the Golden Eagles on the field. Oh man, I, I just—it's one of those things where the the players too, you know, with all the things they've had to deal with in the off season, you know, moving in late, not getting started on time. It'll be a true testament uh, to the mental toughness of these teams too, just having to deal with with what they you know have had to deal with. And then the Eagles play that 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 game against South Al, and then is it what two weeks before they play again? I'm not sure, Luke. Got, what is that? Yeah, they play September nineteenth, so it's it's right at sixteen days. So. When they yeah. they push the Louisiana Tech game back from September twelfth to September nineteenth, only open date of the year, correct? Yep, you play one, you get a break, then you play eleven in a row. <clears throat> wow, that ain't good. Yeah, but but we got that time off against Louisiana Tech, and that's that's a good time to have some time off, right? Because you know if our division comes down to like it always has, it you know that, that whoever wins that Louisiana Tech Southern Miss game, that's a a big edge. You know, if it comes to tiebreakers, it gives you two weeks to prepare for one of the teams that you're going to have to to beat to win the West. Louisiana Tech's got Baylor, and so they only have one week to prepare for Southern Miss. We get an extra week of prep. That's the silver lining there. Yeah, and with as few teams are playing college football this year, that could be the difference between us playing in the Rose Bowl or playing in the Tidy Bowl. Yeah. All right, Kelly, I'm going to bring you some cream, spinach, and ice cream here shortly. So uh, just keep your eyes open. All right. Sounds good. And I'll bring you a, I'll bring you some as well, Luke. Luke? Go to break. <laughs> we'll be back. Thanks, Kelly. See ya. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, I want to thank Kelly Sander, Dr. Mark Horn for joining us uh, earlier in the show. Appreciate you listening around the state this afternoon. This segment sponsored by our good friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place to have lunch. 
good place to have dinner and just a good place to go have a good time. Slade and the guys really go out of their way to make you feel welcome, and you'll, of course, enjoy all the sports trivia that are on the walls at 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right, we're going to take a departure today from what we normally do. Uh, We're going to take a break from uh, talking about COVID-19 and how it's going to affect sports and uh, whether we're going to have football and all the things that have been really dominating our show for the past several months. And even though we're at the end of summer, I'm going to talk to you today and introduce somebody to you that can provide you with a great summer read and a great uh, escape from all of the craziness that is surrounding us. Uh, Lynn Melvin, I met back in 2014. He's an attorney here in Hattiesburg and uh, has just published his third novel called Face Blind. Uh, Previous novels, On the Lamb, I believe came out, Lynn, in 2014, followed by The Last Quarterback. And now a departure from what uh, what you've written in the past. It's very much of a departure, and you know when you when you take on a new project, you know the object is to be kind of creative and to you know you don't want to like try to go over the same formula again or something. So just try to be creative. And this story, um, I guess the genre could be classified as science fiction, but I mean I I've never even read a science fiction book, and um, and actually I don't even know what science fiction is these days. You know things move so rapidly, but this book takes place in 2027, and it's just kind of a story that came to me. Sort of a love story, too, in a sense, isn't it? It is, but I think you have to get deep into the book before you kind of realize that. Right, right. One thing uh, this I've always found fascinating about your three books, and I'm happy to say that you've provided me copies of all three, uh, for which I'm very grateful, is they they all take place in the South. And uh, I do want to, I'm going to talk to you more about Face Blind, but I want to go back to your first, first book, On the Lamb, because I, I think it's a great read, too. And uh, what grabbed me about that was you, you had two, you had three people in that book that took this really entertaining road trip from Memphis through the state of Mississippi, various towns in Mississippi that you described so well, all the way to New Orleans. The Last Quarterback, which was your second book, also took place in the Deep South. And now Face Blind, am I right about this? This is taking place in Mississippi in the future. That's right. That's right. Basically, when I wrote Face Blind, I kind of had Hattiesburg in mind, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so. because there's a campus there. There's Yeah. Right. So, right. so this is really themed. This book is, in your mind, taking place in Hattiesburg in the future? Uh, that's right. In the year 2027. Right. Uh, fascinating. How, how did you what what led you off uh, from the genre that the, your first two books were uh, into into science fiction? I found that really I got to be honest, well, I, Lynn, I found it surprising, but I found it very interesting. Well, I was trying to think of doing something different. And the subjects in the book really kind of interested me, the themes in the book. And I've always thought it would be interesting to write about the themes, and I'm not going to really specify the themes right now because I don't want to give it away to the reader. But I had read this article about prosopagnosia, which is a, a condition where people can't remember faces, like in extreme situations. Mothers can't identify their children when they go to pick them up at daycare. And um, But when they studied this condition, they found out on the other extreme, there were these people called super recognizers who remember everything. And I thought, wow, that's that's kind of like a superpower, you know? And I just thought that would be interesting to write about. And then I just, this story just started coming to me. And um, like you said, it was something I've never done in that area before, but it was really interesting to try. Also, a theme in the book is that the, it the, is the, that the country is in a time of great unrest. 
there are pe- people carry guns with them and uh, you know, society as as we generally know it is different and in a sense it's sort of it's sort of parallels some of the unrest that we're seeing in the country now but was this book written before all of this developed Lynn? it, it was it's, it took me about two years to write this and it was written before this and you know if, you, if you'll notice in the book there's actually a political rally by the president in Tulsa right which I thought was like wow that's kind of prescient you know but <laughs> Correct. Um, you know, but it's not a political book at all, but no. it's it's written in 2027, and there's chaos in the streets, and there is a situation, and there's a, an assassination attempt on the president, and there's a lot of interesting things. You know. No question. Uh, it, when I first met you, you were telling me, as I recall, that you wrote On the Lamb. Actually, as I recall, did you say you wrote it in a, in a coffee house that you would go there was a place you would go every day and, and work on your book. R- refresh me about yeah, that. Yeah, I would go to um, to Java Works every day and do that. But also, I would go to the um, to the um, this restaurant and just sit in like in the afternoon and around one thirty. It was like kind of during when the business had gotten slow in the depression, and I would go to Applebee's every day at one thirty and sit in the corner. And by myself, and you know, sip on a glass of bad red wine and write all afternoon. So, <laughs> right. But your second book, the last quarterback, but that title, that title would imply that it's a sports-related novel, but not really so. Correct. It's not at all. It's not at all. Right. It has a sports story from the past, but it's basically uh, it's not a sports book at all. Being an attorney, uh, you're you're. Your world of law has has that affected in any way uh, your writing? No, you know, I mean, as a as an attorney, you write a lot anyway and read a lot anyway, and so um, I'm just kind of I'm pick and choose the cases I do now, and I try to do equal practice in law and equal writing. Right. What What made you first decide you were going to start writing, Lynn? You know, I just I. I've always been into, I've always been a reader, and I've just really enjoy reading. And I always thought I would try to write a book, and I just kind of had this story, you know, pop in my head, and I just started thinking about it, and I just decided to try to put it down on paper. When you write a novel, do you have the do you have the entire story in your head when you start writing the book? In other words, do you know what's going to happen in the middle, and do you know how what it's going to how it's going to end? You know, I have a basic beginning, and I kind of have a basic ending. But it never works out like you think it is. And if I think you said you read read a lot of this book. I mean, you like the Barcelona part when mm-hmm. I was writing. I never envisioned anything about Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And the ending of the book is a little different than what I thought it was. But it's kind of the the beauty of the creative con the beauty of creativity. You know, like things happen, and you, I'm I'm as surprised as other people sometimes when I'm writing and. Things occur that I never saw coming. And in all of your novels, too, there's a Southern theme. So it's your Southern upbringing and, and your life here in the Deep South that's reflected in, in every one of your books. Well, you know, they say, you know, write what you know. And, um, I mean, I do know the Deep South pretty well. Mm-hmm. And um, I just feel comfortable in that. You know, and it's the story itself is could happen anywhere, but, you know, it's, it's easy to put it in a setting like down here. Can you have a favorite when you've now published three novels? Can you possibly have a favorite, or 
are all three very dear to you? They all three are, and I guess it's maybe how people look at their children. All three are, all three are, and you've read them. I mean, all three are really different, right? Um, but I, I, I'm proud of all the, all of them in different ways, right? Well, there's no question that that all three are different. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Lynn, Face Blind kind of threw a surprise at me. I didn't, I didn't pick <laughs> that book up. I didn't look at the cover. I didn't start reading it and think that you were going to go down the science fiction uh, road, but, boy, you did a heck of a job with it. You you you, you entangled the science fiction with Southern life and a love story. I, I just thought it was very, very entertaining. Well, I appreciate that. You know, and I, to be fair, I never saw it coming either. You know, I, I never planned on writing something about science fiction. But, you know, it's not really that far ahead in the future, and so. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's a it's a great it's a great way to take a break from the chaos that we all seem to be living in now, and it's not too late to say that it's a great summer read, and it is. Uh, where can people find uh, Face Blind, but also the Last Quarterback and On the Lamb, Lynn? If anyone wants to order a book, they can go to lynnmelvin dot com, and I have a website set up there, and they can order off there, or you can go to uh, Main Street Books here in Hattiesburg, or the author shop on West Pine Street. That's kind of a new place. And I, I think you can even drink a couple of beers there if you want at the author <laughs> shop. But also in Laurel, uh, there's Jay Parker downtown on Magnolia Street. Uh, it's a great shop owned by Jacqueline uh, Parker. And mm-hmm. they have there's copies of all my books there, too. Okay, but for our listeners that are in other parts of Mississippi, they can go to your website. They can order your books online. That's right, lynnmelvin.com. Lynn, I want to thank you, first of all, for providing me with a copy of all your novels. I'm very, very grateful to you for that. And uh, I'm a big fan, man. I, I recommend your books to anybody. They're fun reads. They they bring the South to life that we all live in. And uh, they're they're most entertaining, man. And I, and I thank you for your time today. I appreciate I appreciate you having me. Also, you, you, people can get this on Amazon also. So. All right. Thanks a lot, Lynn. Okay. Thank you, Bob. Lynn Melvin, everybody third novel published by Lynn Melvin is available now face blind you might want to check out the last quarterback and on the land if you want to take a break from COVID-19 and how it's affecting the world of sports and take a break from all the craziness around us a Mississippi Arthur on the Eagle Hour and we hope you'll check him out we'll be back Back on a Wednesday, thank you for joining us on the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson and Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98. Before you stop by on Highway 98, jump on their website, Toyota Hattiesburg, search their inventory, pick out uh, your next vehicle, and then go test drive it and uh, make the deal there. At Toyota of Hattiesburg, they are there to help you with your next vehicle purchase, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Of the Eagle Hour, also D 
DBAT and D1 training located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg. Great facilities, great instructors, and uh, be sure to go by and, and see everything they have to offer you and your family. All right, we were talking earlier uh, about the TV schedule um, for the, the possibility, the possible TV schedule at Southern Miss, South Alabama, will be on television. Probably CBS Sports. Uh, it's probably about 98% chance it's going to be there. But uh, ESPN has basically uh, laid out their TV schedule um, for the first week of college football. It starts actually this coming Saturday. The, the kickoff game is really two FCS teams. Austin P against Central Arkansas. That's at 8 p.m. Central. That is on ESPN this coming Saturday. Then uh, you skip forward to the day where Southern Miss plays. Central Arkansas is at UAB at 7 p.m. Central. That is on ESPN3. And then you move to Saturday, September 5th, 1 p.m. Eastern Kentucky at Marshall. That's an ESPN broadcast. And, again, one of the reasons why Marshall would get an ESPN slot there is because CBS Sports Network wouldn't have a slot for that. 4.30 p.m. SMU at Texas State. That's on ESPN. 7 p.m. Monroe at Troy on ESPN3. 7.30, Houston Baptist at North Texas, so another Conference USA team. That's on ESPN3. And uh, then the nightcaps, Arkansas State at Memphis at 7 p.m. on ESPN. And Stephen F. Austin at UTEP uh, at on ESPN3. That's at 8 p.m. And then a game that I'm excited about, Bob, Monday, September 7th, Monday Night Football, but it's college. BYU at the Midshipmen of Navy. Uh, 7 p.m., that'll be on ESPN, Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet, Allison Williams. So kind of looking through the schedule, apparently there is a 5.30 or 6.30 WNBA game on CBS Sports Network for Thursday, September 3rd. That's why maybe we're hearing it could be an 8, 8.30 kick if they go that route. So UAB um, is playing at 7 p.m., uh, expect Southern Miss to possibly play around 8 p.m. That'll be a, uh, that'll be against South Alabama. Again, we should hear something tomorrow or Friday on that end. And we'll have Jeremy McLean on the show Friday. It's my understanding, so I'm sure that uh, Jeremy will know. Got to be uh, got to be excited if you're in the TV industry because you have to believe with the uh, with the limitation on people in stadiums, the the virus, of course, that the TV audiences for college football early could be huge, Luke. And it'll be interesting to see. I guarantee you this primetime kickoff, uh, this FCS game, Austin Beaver Central Arkansas this Saturday, it'll be interesting to see what the viewership is on that, and it certainly will be much more. I mean, you think about the first football game of 2020 with all the uncertainty, and i tell you what, give Central Arkansas credit. They're going to be playing on national television. Yeah. Yeah. Two times in like five days. You could argue that the ESPN three game, but it's still, they're playing on ESPN twice. I guarantee you Central Arkansas probably hadn't ever played on ESPN ever. And they're, uh, you know, playing two times in a row on that. So, uh, what you do see in this, uh, with UAB, Marshall, obviously Southern Miss, uh, North Texas and UTEP, five conference USA teams getting televised in, in the first week. Well, you know, what's kind of refreshing too is obviously the Power Five schools are not playing until later in September. It's kind of refreshing to have a, a big array of, of games from some of the, uh, schools outside of those conferences and get an opportunity not only for those kids to be on TV, but for us to watch them. Absolutely. And that that's why 
and and I mean ESPN Plus and and CBS Sports Network they're not that expensive, um, and there's there's a way for you to be able to just to stream a bunch of games. That's what, that's what I do. I, I get that uh, Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus package. It's like twelve ninety nine a month or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. man, yeah, you can watch tons of games. But yeah, Southern Miss looks like they will be on CBS Sports Network. Um, one note we should mention: uh, Doug Peterson um, says that Quez Watkins and John Hightower are battling for a spot at wide receiver. Uh, quote Peterson said, "I like where both of them are. It's an interesting battle as we come down to the last few weeks of camp. Uh, Quez had a pretty good day. I had, I had a pretty last couple days had pretty good days. So uh, Quez Watkins fighting for a job on that Philadelphia Eagles roster. He would be very exciting in that offense. You think that means he's fighting for a starting position or a or a slot on the team? No, it would be it would be a slot on the team. Yeah, even as a six round pick." Um, but yeah, he would, he would be fighting for that. I mean, they're, they're wide, they drafted like three wide receivers and brought others in, but no receiver, uh, the only people over 500 yards last year receiving were two tight ends. Right. And so they're a team that needs wide receivers, use their first round pick on there, but Quest has an opportunity, I think, to excel in that offense. All right. I want to thank Dr. Mark Horn. I want to thank Lynn Melvin and, of course, our buddy Kelly Sander, Jeremy McLean, set to be on the show Friday. We'll have plenty of things to talk to him about, of course. And uh, Luke and I will be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, thanks for listening and Southern Miss to the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.